Good people, good people. Welcome back to the second episode of the Untold Stories podcast, hosted by myself, Jay Brantley. Not sure if you felt it through the headphones, but my new intro music definitely had me geek. Almost felt like designer in the booth, rapping to the classical music. Um, we official now, baby. So on this next episode, my best friend Bonnie Catherine and I, we delve deep into my story. So probably should have let off of my story to begin with, but honestly wanted to shine the light on others before myself. But a lot of the feedback that I received after the first podcast was you all wanted to hear more about my untold story. So here we go. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Today, uh, part of the intro, I'll be telling my story. And the person that will be narrating my story and leading me through questions is one of my best friends. So let me be respectful. My best friend, Bonnie Catherine. The one and only JB. Uh, Bonnie Catherine has been my uh, ride or die since 2008. Eight, we met in Tennessee State University, CAF. I didn't believe that her name was Bonnie. Uh, she's been a ride or die ever since. We've done multiple sit and stays, kickbacks, parties. She is in Dallas, Texas currently. She just got engaged and is set to be married uh, in August. That will be something in her wedding. Uh, she is in the airline industry. She's a trendsetter. Uh, she's a showstopper. Bonnie Catherine, we welcome you. We thank you for narrating this podcast, and I appreciate you. Anything for you, because I flew all the way from Dallas, Texas. Actually, Oak Cliff, Texas. Oak Cliff. Oak Cliff, Texas. What is that, uh, that chicken spot? Rudy's, baby. Rudy's, yes. Rudy's, baby. <laughs> They get all your coins. Little yes. dusty little spot, yeah. but shout it's all right. Shout out to Oak Cliff. Shout out to Dallas. Shout I'm out to Dallas. Yes. <laughs> if you don't, then that's unfortunate on you. You're missing out. So today we definitely you you were actually the person that told me why are you doing a podcast? You haven't actually told people your story. Yes, you put it on your website, but no one's gonna read the shit. So <laughs> why don't you just have an episode with yourself? Exactly. So help me, help me help others. Help me help myself. What is important about, like, where do I start? What do you, what, what, what's important about my story? That so let's go back. In our conversation, we discussed how great the drop was. Shout out to you. Let me start there. The Shout drop? out the drop of your website. How oh, okay. how awesome that was. That was an awesome drop. I was I was excited. But the one thing about when I was telling people to go and check this website out, is that they were not reading the about me. They didn't care about who you were. Even though I was like, oh, you should read the about me. It's so enlightening. It, nobody cared about you. But when you're doing these things and you're having these podcasts, people have to know who you are. Okay. So I feel like it's only right that... Like who I am as a person? Who you are as a person, as a businessman. People want to know. My story or who I am? Both. I think it's a bit different, right? I don't think it's different. I think 
who you are makes you into who makes you into where you're going. Like that that's what what it is. Cause yeah, you're JB, excuse me guys, you're Justin Brantley. Oh. Oh. You're Justin Brantley, but people have to know who Justin Brantley is. Like, why am I just randomly calling you JB? Because those are your initials. No, JB is a whole nother person. Because JB had to work hard to be the guy that he is to have dropped something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you have to tell your story. So I feel like if you want these viewers to gas you up, <laughs> premium gas, that 248 in Dallas, you have to give them some ammo to use premium. So let's do this. Tell us a little bit about your background. Same story as pretty much everybody, honestly. Like the single parent household, uh, wonderful mother that did everything that she needed to do. Put food on the table. I have an older brother that's been in and out of the system, but is an amazing, amazing sibling. He's kind of showed me, so without, with the absence of a father, he's kind of showed me what to do in a weird sense. So although he was in and out of trouble, he showed me what not to do in a weird sense. So he was always getting in trouble. But So from Racine, Wisconsin, not much opportunity there. Very industrial, urban city. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the background. I went to a Catholic high school. I went to a public high school first, and then my mom, it was a whole bunch of vice lords jumping a whole bunch of people, ninth grade year, so she transferred me to a Catholic high school, played basketball, track, wrestling, football. So you pretty regular. Super regular. And Super regular. The, yeah, 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 but it was, it, was, it was really, really, okay, so here's the thing. I'm from a very urban black city. Okay. Well, any type but, of city named Racine, I don't think we're going to think anything else. Yes, but else, there, there's not like, there's not a bunch of opportunity, right? So there's not a bunch of like positive African-American people that I seen, right? So there's not a lot of like wealth. There's not a lot of uh, families. There's not a lot of marriages. There's not a lot of like people doing big. It's shit. not a positive environment. No. So okay. when I was in a Catholic high school, predominantly white, it was cool. I got to learn a lot. It was cool. Like getting, it was just different. It was a different environment. But one of the things that I, because I was in that predominantly white environment, I needed to be like at an HBCU. So I remember like a, what was that shit called? Uh, was that 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 show on BT? It's not not a college tour, but it was like uh, when it was like uh, cognac. Need that cognac. Cognac. <laughs> college Hill. Co- yeah. Yes, College Hill. Yeah. I started watching College Hill, and I was like, "Yo, I gotta go to HBCU." I got to. My is co- that how you got introduced into an HBCU? Yes. That is Hill. not. That is not how I got introduced. College Hill was it, and my cousin. <laughs> crazy part about it, my cousin was running college tours, so. He'd been doing college tours for like 10 years. So I get in with him and we go down to TSU and a whole bunch of other places, Spelman and Howard and all these places. And when I went to TSU, I was like, oh yeah, man, it's warm. It's hot all the time. It's a bunch of women down here. At the time I wanted to do engineering because I was good at like math and science. So I was like, oh yeah, this is it. So that's like the background of like how I kind of like where I started and then 
how I got to TSU. Okay. So everybody knows that we went to ten- the Tennessee State University. The big um, blue. <laughs> the big blue. The colleges of all colleges. The universities of all universities. <laughs> you like that gas? You like that gas? Yes, yes, yes. So while you were at Tennessee State, how did you figure that you wanted to be Justin Brantley? Like, how did you figure that Justin Brantley now was being formed back then? Because you've always been this way. And I say that because you've always literally been doop, 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 this clean cut individual who knew what they wanted, but maybe didn't know exactly how to get it. But in college, you were a trendsetter. That's funny you say that because when I first got to, when I first got on the campus, I remember because I was like husky all through like through high school. So when I first got here, we fan, go. fan, 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 relax. Although relax. we are not about to do this husky fan. stuff. Okay. Seriously, I was husky all through high school. Like I was losing weight, gaining weight, losing weight, gaining weight. The only thing that saved me was I was in wrestling because I was a wrestler. Oh, okay. I would lose a bunch of weight. But anyway, so I get to TSU. <laughs> I lost a bunch of weight because I was I was wrestling. And I'm wearing Hollister because Hollister was in. I'm wearing like yellow. And Understand like Hollister shirts. was never in. Okay, it was. And this is the first time that I was like getting attention. Like, oh, like you look nice. You're a pretty boy. Like, oh, this is the first time I've ever heard that. So when you talk about like, how did you become you? I don't know. It's like the first bit of confidence that I got. I guess you can say I was always kind of confident, but it was the first bit of like gas. maybe. First bit of gas that I got was at TSU. And then after that, it was just like, I think one of the biggest things that I saw, I saw like people like, so I'll say this in my, in my bedroom, I had a poster growing up in my bedroom. I had a poster of Scarface that said money. First you get the money, then you get the power, then you get the women. Then on the other side of the room, I had a, I had a poster of Martin Luther King. So when I got the TSU, I was fascinated by like this idea of like manufacturing power that like you can do X, Y, and Z and people like change and treat you different and look at you different. And then once I got those things, cause I aspired to have that, right? Mm-hmm. Once I got those things, it was kind of weird. So I did a bunch of stuff in college to like get that quote unquote air quotes power. And then once I got it, it was a weird feeling because it was disingenuous. That's how it felt. None so, of the things, I will say this as watching you, from the time that you did Mr. Ivy, from the time that you pledged Alpha, I don't think you had anybody genuine in your corner except for maybe six people. Maybe. Well, it was weird just seeing people change. But it was it was all like challenging myself to do something different. It was challenge so innately, I'm a very like introvert that don't really want to talk to nobody, don't really want to speak to nobody, but those things kind of work. force me to do something different, which okay. is what I like. I like challenging myself to do something different. Okay. So that's kind of how. So go back to your question. How did I get to who I was now? I think I always kind of knew, but it was the force. consistently challenging myself to step out of the comfort zone. Okay. That's kind of how that happened. 
So we fast forward those four years. We're going to fast forward those four years. Because though we had a great time, that's not when life really happened for us. (laughs) And a few people may know, but Jay and I have a lot in common. So anything that's popping majorly in his life, it probably was popping majorly in my life. Okay. So we're going to fast forward until our first year out of college. Okay. So our first year out of college, I know I was working, trying to do me, trying, I, to, trying to live in the city. I was in Atlanta. He was, was in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. He was in Atlanta. What were you doing in Atlanta? Why were you there? Uh, so I was an industrial engineering major, so which is like process management, operations management. So I was a logistics manager at the busiest store uh, in Atlanta for Target. So that sounds kind of cool, but like when you're actually in it, it's like, oh no, you're an assistant manager at like stock shelves, basically. So mm-hmm. I managed the process for when you walk in at eight o'clock in the morning when the doors open, are the are the shelves stocked, essentially. And so my task was to improve the process for them. And I, I like hated it. I hated it. It was terrible. Like I was working a night shift and it was like 3 a.m. It was just it was just bad. It was just really, really bad. I remember when I went back, I remember to, I went back to TSU one time. So I'm around all my homies and we chilling. And uh I go into the room and a bunch of my homies like, yo, they ain't graduated yet. They're like, yo, is this what graduation look like? Is this what like real life look like? Cause if they looking like you, I don't want that. I was like skinny. I was I look like I ain't, I ain't took a shower. It was just bad. I don't want to say I was like depressed, but like it was let's, tough. Let's not. It was tough. It was tough. I ain't gonna lie to but you. But I'm tough. not gonna not let you say you weren't depressed because you were. Maybe you were. Don't say maybe because you were, and you were depressed because we was on the phone every single day talking about how much you hated your job. It was that's, terrible. That's depression. That's depression. You're not happy. You're not eating. You're just doing whatever. You just going along with the flow, but something in you clicked to say, nah, nah, fam, I can't do this. I have to make some lead way in my career. Like, I need an opportunity. Yeah, so that's the funny part. It wasn't like career. It wasn't like I knew what I wanted to do at that point. It was just like, I need to get out of Atlanta, first and foremost. I want to be, so literally, when I was in school, I was like, yo, I want to be in L.A., or New York. I want to be in a big city. I want to be at a tech firm. I want to be like doing some big shit. And Did you want to be like Silicon Valley? I was open. You was open? That's what I thought. Because I had like, I had a 3.5. I had all these like. You had all these accolades. I had sure. all these accolades. So I was thinking I was a shoe in at that point. And then like the only two offers I got was like one for Atlanta, one for like Memphis. And I was like. Do you uh, think. Okay. This is a good question to ask you. I thought about this by myself. Tell me. Do you think people too put too much pressure on being a part of organizations and all of this other stuff for graduating students to have on their resume, not knowing that the job that you're looking for will not give a damn about it? I think it's important. Do you Honestly, think it's important? I do. I do think it's important. Why? It wasn't 
So it didn't really benefit me. I think the difference. Okay. So I'll preface this in saying I love my alma mater. Oh, I love mine right? too. All of my friendships that I have today, most of them, 90% of them have come from mm-hmm. TSU. The one thing I will say though, that I wish that I would have had more of is the pipeline, right? So yeah. what I have seen in my adult life is there are certain universities that have a direct pipeline to certain institutions, to certain corporations, to where you have the grades, you have the outside activities. All right, boom, we're going to get you an interview here. Boom, we're going to get you blah, blah, blah. TSU, the biggest thing it taught me how to was, was the finesse. Finesse, for sure. I think I finessed every interview. Was to finesse. <laughs> finesse, that's so, the key. But I kind of had egg on my face when I graduated. So like it was, it was a good experience, but I felt like after graduation, I was just kind of figuring it out, trying to do this. But to I do think that. that's I think that's important because I feel like that's every student. Every student was trying to figure it yeah. out. All of us who graduated together, all of us who were, we are still cool and talk on a regular basis. We all had to finesse our way yes. and figure it out. We didn't have the pipeline, and that's okay. Let's talk about your first. The first time you knew New York was it for you? I didn't. You I mean, didn't? I knew I wanted to be in New York, Cali. So I just started applying to a bunch of places. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to try to figure out what I can do. So I applied at one of these, one of these spots in New York. And it was like a software consultant. That's what it was, a software consultant. I got this interview and I did a bunch of interviews. And I was wowing them. And it was like presentation-based. And I was like great at presentations. And they're like, all right, bet you'll be a shoe in. I was like, dope. So I literally was like, all right, deuces, Atlanta. I'm going to get out of my lease. I'm going to sell my apartment. Oh, not my apartment. I'm going to sell my, uh, my furniture, my car, everything, literally. And I got out of the lease early. I bounced to New York City maybe like a month afterwards. I stayed in Spanish Harlem with four girls. I was in a in the basement. I shared a basement with a girl that I went to high school with, but I had like the the unfinished side of the basement that was <laughs> I remember. That, I, that was like by the door and it was kind of cold. But I had a space heater. Within the internet was so garbage. <laughs> like the, the so Walmart bad. signal was bad. And I bought a futon from Walmart, <laughs> and then I bought like the wardrobes that I put my clothes in. I didn't have a TV. I ain't had none, but it was like, and I had and I had a rug, but I was like, I'm lit. I'm you in, lit. I'm, I'm in, in New Harlem. York. I'm in Harlem. I took less money to move to New York than I was making in in Atlanta, but I argue. And here's the thing: I argued with my mom about it for a good amount of time because she was like, "You gotta what she say? You gotta interview at AT and T." And you could be an engineer at AT and T, and you just gonna move and blah blah blah, and like you can make sixty five thousand at AT and T as an engineer. And I was like, Ma, I ain't really tripping on that. Like, if I if I fail, if I go to if, listen, if I go to New York and I don't make it, then fine, I'll be fine. Like I'm in a land of opportunity, I can figure it out. I would rather go and fail than not go. Like I don't want to be in Atlanta anymore. So I went, took the leap, sold all my stuff, was in Atlanta, boom. Sharing a basement and uh, living off of a credit card, basically. 
that you were. And I was doing it. Here's the thing, though. I was doing amazing. I was doing so amazing. My, I remember it's this, uh, it's this app called GroupMe where you and when you're in group with a bunch of friends. I remember sending this this uh, message around that I received from my boss at the time. That was like, yo, you are the best rotational program student I've ever had. You catch on so fast. You do X, Y, and Z. Like, I was, oh, I was so lit. Because I'm like, yo, I'm doing this. I ain't even really got to try. Like, I'm just, I'm just naturally gifted and I'm trying, but like, I'm dope. I got it. And the program was basically like, so you do like five months and then after the five months, you do like a two-week boot camp, and then after a two-week boot camp, you like a full-on business analyst, and then after a year, you're a full-on consultant. So I'm in this five-months process, and I'm killing it. My boss, glowing reviews. I'm killing the presentations. Um, one of my homies said he's coming to New York, so we find a spot, and I get this spot. I empty out my bank account because finding a spot in New York is just crazy. But I empty out my bank account, I get the spot, I get everything set up, boom. My mom loan me some money, my homie move in, I go to this boot camp, basically, where it's like a training ground, and it's me, and I'm in this rotational program with like six other people, and man, I just hit a wall, to be honest with you, I, I really did, like it was like, Everything I did up to that point, my whole life wasn't working in this specific instance as a consultant. And so I remember just having thoughts of like, yo, I don't know. I don't know how to change. Basically, like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but I don't know how to fix it. So I remember talking to you. I remember talking to like my homies. Like, yo, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I don't know what's happening. I don't know. And basically, long story short, after two weeks, me and five other people got let go. And it was like, I was so confused. I'm like, I don't know exactly why I let, why I was, was let go. I don't know why everybody, like, was it me? Was it like something else? Or was it like some this? And was it some that? And it was just like, I don't know. But so afterwards, I was very, very confident that I would get something else. I ain't even tripping. Boom, I can do whatever I want to do. And one of my mentors was like, yo, you should get on unemployment. Yes. Not that, yeah, you can find something in two weeks. Don't even trip. Don't even trip. You got it. But just get on unemployment as like, you know, a catch safe. Yeah. And I did. And I was on unemployment for a minute because I was trying to figure out exactly. So I got this industrial engineering degree. I did process management, logistics. I then did internet consulting. And I'm like, yo, I don't know. I can do a bunch of different stuff. And I'm in New York City. So, like, what do I do? I just don't. I need my next move to be my best move. So, like, let me figure out exactly what that is. Can we pause for a second? Everybody's had that woo moment. Like, today I asked you, is New York the city that... <laughs> <laughs> is New York the city that you come and like your dreams are like, oh, dreams? Or is it, do you come and you say, oh, dreams? And they say, no, bitch, let's start over. Let's break you down, humble you, and build you back up. And then you say, oh, altered dreams. <laughs> I made it. 
Just a little adjustment. Is that the city? So I think everyone's experience is different. I think the only thing that is constant is New York is a very abusive relationship with anyone. So it'll show you love a lot of times, but it's going to punch you in the stomach and say, shut up. You don't know nothing. It's like one of those type of situations. So Mm -hmm. for me, it kind of punched me in my face. It was the first time I failed, honestly. It was the first time in my life that I've like fell flat on my face and had to regroup and figure it out. So the standard here, here's the thing, the standard is is higher than anywhere else. Life is just is harder, it's different than anywhere else. So it's like, yeah, you were good over here, but now you're in New York City. Like there's a certain level that you need to be at. There's a certain standard that you need to be. And it took me a took me a minute to get there, but I definitely got there over time. But New York, New York will definitely send you packing for sure. For sure, of course. New York will definitely send you packing. So after I was in that period of unemployment, one of the things that I always wanted to do was entrepreneurship. And within entrepreneurship, you need to sell yourself, you need to sell a product, you need to be able to have the gift of gab. And as an engineering student, I felt like that was probably the thing that I didn't have. Like if I had to choose any skill set that I was weakest at, that was it. I disagree. I mean... I disagree. I think you are... The best bullshitter I have no, ever that's, seen that's in not, my life. That's not true. That's not true. But and that's I say true. that it's not true. In a, okay, I am. I am very, very. And we're talking 2015, 2014 here. At that time, I was very, very good at. If I know what I'm gonna say. I will present it perfectly. So you talk about Mr. Ivy, you talk about Alpha, you talk about Mr. Collegiate 100, you talk about all these things. If I know exactly what I need to say or what I will say, I will say it perfectly. If you throw me in a place where like I'm just winging it, I'm not a I'm not a winging it type of guy. So you're not. That's what I felt like I needed to work on in 2014. But. As the person that's paying attention to you and going through the process with you and looking at the presentations, I will have to say, I feel differently about that. I felt like that was not a skill set that you were lacking. You felt that you were lacking it, I guess, because you didn't tap into that potential yet. But I always felt that you were, boom, like you you could finesse it. Mm-mm. But you did, though. You did it so many times not knowing it. That was, and so, you had nothing. You had no clue about what you were doing. That was one of my problems at the position that I got let go from. I would go in as a consultant. I would go in very prepared on X, Y, and Z. They would then say, "Well, what about M?" And I would be like, "M, but you didn't ask me about M. I didn't prepare about M." Why are you throwing curveballs when I've prepared for X, <laughs> Y, and Z? What are you like? What the fuck? So I say that to where I was like, you know what? I need to build some sort of competency around being able to sell uh, sand in a desert. 
or okay. water to a well. So I went to a consulting slash sales role at this training company. And my plan was like, yo, I'm going to do this for like six months. And after six months, I'm going to launch my own company and I'm going to be good and I'm going to quit. But I'm going to get all this training. Course that six months turned into I worked there for like three two, years. No, you was there. What I two? was damn near three years, like two and a half, two, no, right two something. And uh, but it was a good experience. Like it was, I didn't really enjoy it that much, but I learned a lot. So like picking up the phone and calling people, calling clients, talking to clients all the time, being able to present in front of people, being able to kind of. BS my way out of something and mm-hmm. stall or spin and all these different type of competencies. That's what I got from there. But so like halfway through that, I was like, okay, this is BS. I thought I was gonna quit. I thought I was gonna be a millionaire doing entrepreneurship stuff. Didn't happen. So then I was like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna do real estate. And then I did a bunch of like real estate classes and real estate investment classes. And then I ran out of money, so I didn't have enough money. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, okay, I ain't got enough money. Okay, what do I do now? I was like, okay, what do I really want to do? Like, what do I like? I'm a business guy. I talk to everybody about business. Why don't I do like something in the financial industry? Everybody in New York working on Wall Street. Anyway, I'm, a, I'm in New York. Why don't I work on Wall Street? Okay. So then I was like, okay, I'm working on Wall Street. But I've taken like one business class in my life. So (laughs) I'm going to read a bunch of articles, do Business Insider. I'm going to do Yahoo Finance. I'm going to do all this different type of stuff and like understand what this vernacular means, what all this stuff means. I did a bunch of like online classes, Coursera, and a bunch of things to like to get my resume up and certifications. And I interviewed for all these banks and investment banks trying to do something so i did like compliance and operations role basically anything that can get to me in and that didn't work i did that for like a year year and a half and that didn't work so now it's like okay well if they're not gonna let me in here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna get my mba and when I get my MBA, I will be an investment banker. So I'll do two years at a top 20 business school. I'll be an investment banker. I'll come out and I'll make $240,000 a year. Okay. I will work <laughs> 90 to 100, 000, to 100 hours a week and I'll hate my life and I'll give up my soul. But I will make $240,000 a year. Did you think that was going to work? Yes. So listen, here's why. Let me tell you how I thought it was going to work. So I said that. Didn't I tell you that wasn't going to work? No. So then I went to, I did a GMAT <laughs> class, GMAT prep class, and I was sitting in there. I spent like $1,300 on this class, and it was like eight weeks, and I was in there once a week studying. I did I had, tell you, let that go. I had these books, and I was, and then I did a MLT, which is mm-hmm. like this MBA prep where you write essays, and why you want to go grad school and what you trying to do all this type different type of stuff and long story short that didn't work i got denied from mlt 2000 my right around my birthday january 2017 i remember that just turned 27 and at that point i was like oh jesus (laughs) 
Jesus Cristo. I don't know. I don't know what I'm about to do. We and I remember that because we we didn't celebrate that year. <laughs> we didn't. Uh, and something I should know about our group: we take birthdays very seriously. We we turn up in a good way. But I remember you saying, "I don't know what I'm gonna do at this point because I have physically done everything that I thought." And nothing's hitting for well, me. So here's the thing. It was it was frustrating because I was literally throwing everything at the wall. I was doing everything. I was working harder than everybody else. I was like researching and I was reading and I was networking and I was interviewing. I was listening to podcasts. I was doing all this shit and nothing was working. It was like the most frustrating you know three what? years of but my life. Now that I am now that we're here. In this in this space. Oh, it worked. Now that we're here in this <laughs> yeah, it worked. Now that we're here in this space, it paid off. For sure. It paid but it off. It took like years to pay off. Yeah, years. it took it took years to pay off. Bonnie, think about it. Yeah, I was like I was like the butt of the jokes. Like, yo, you really like the broke dude of the group. Like, you were like, come on, fam, like. I was I was the broke dude. I was always trying to do a bunch of stuff that like it just didn't work. Like it was cool. Like it was always like, yo, he want to do something. He like he got it. But right now, like, hey man, you cheap and you broke, and you like you need to do better. You, <laughs> you were. I'm not better. gonna lie. You were the you need to do better. You were the need to do better. But for some reason, and this is why I say me, you have always been close because you were never my someone that needed to do better. You was my, keep going, Jay. Keep going. It's going to hit. Something's going to work. You figure know what I out. mean? Figure we, it out. And I remember saying, we're going to figure it out together. We got this. And that's why I say to your listeners is, if you ain't got nobody in your corner that's saying, hey, dog, I got you. I saw this on Indeed or I read this article that can probably help you or Whatever, whatever. You always got to have that one person that is in your corner that's not your mama. Because your, your mama thinks you can do all things. Through Christ. Through Christ that strengthens you. And she do. And she is right. You can. Uh, However, great. you I got to have that person in your corner that, is, that is going to say, nigga, you are fucking up the church's money. Like, that's not where we need to be. Let's regroup and let's sit down and figure out where we're going to go because what you're doing ain't working. And Jay and I have had those conversations. We have those conversations weekly uh, now more than ever because our paper looks a little differently. I'm going to just throw it out. It just looks a little differently than it did. We discussed that today. I ain't got no money. (laughs) We ain't got no money still, but our paper looks just a little different. Tabit. A little different than how it looked in 2015. It definitely does. But so you, it finally worked for you. What worked? Uh, the first thing that worked was because you're big on investing. Yeah. So I got denied from the program. One of my homies, uh, Deji. Shout out to Deji. He hit me up and he's like, "Yo, I made a hundred dollars today," and I was like, "All right, bro, whatever." Hung up. 
Boom. Call me back three days later. Yo, I made like $300. And I said, all right, bro, cool. Call me back like two days later. Yo, I made like $500. Like, bro, what are you doing? Like, why do you keep calling me? It's like, yo, I invested in Bitcoin. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, yo, I trade Bitcoin now. And I was like, bro, you've never talked to me about trading. This sounds really risky. Like, fam, leave me alone. Don't lose your money. Don't lose your day job. So my homie then goes, Deji goes to Nigeria, he's from Nigeria, and he hits me and he's like, yo, when I come back, we got to talk. And I'm like, all right, bet. This is February 2017, somewhere around there. So he comes back, he gives me a call, and he's like, yo, I made $17,000 in three weeks. At this point, I ain't seen $17,000. So I'm like, wait, what? You made seventeen thousand dollars in three weeks, and I don't know if you ever seen the um, that Wolf of Wall Street scene yes. where he's in a diner. He's like, "Listen, you made two hundred eighty thousand dollars. I quit my job, and it was for you." It was exactly like that. I'm like, "Yo, you made seventeen thousand dollars in three weeks. We can do it. Whatever you're trying to do, we can do it." And so he tells me how he did. And he's like, "Basically, I started trading Bitcoin, and Bitcoin is basically this digital digital currency, but you can trade it like stocks and you can make money by basically buy low, sell high. And I was like, what? And he like, listen, you got the same type of mindset that I got. You should either get some money to invest or learn how to trade. At that time, I had no money. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to learn how to trade. All right, we're going to trade. So I'm like, yo, send me everything that you know. Send me the, the website, everything, all the details. He sent it to me, and I read it, and I was like, man, fam, I'm not. Come on. I'm going to lose somebody's money doing this, fam. I'm not doing that. So then the next option was, okay, how do you get the money? At that point, I, I wasn't really making no money. So I'm like, how do, I, how do I get the money to invest? At that time, I had been building my credit for like three years. Yeah. So I had amazing credit. So I went to the bank and I'm like, yo, I'm trying to make a big purchase, but the interest on this credit card is crazy. Like, uh, if y'all don't do something, I'm just going to close it down and I'm going to go with Chase. So they're like, no, 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 we got you. So for 12 months, we're not going to charge you any interest on your purchase. So you can make however large the purchase you make, but in 12 months, just pay me back our money. And I was like, bet. They raised my credit limit. So at that point, I basically sent $15,000 to one of my homies through PayPal. He sent it back to me and I had $15,000 in my bank account. I paid like $400 for it. It's like 3% interest and I was like, bet. So all I was in a, I was in a predicament, but the deal was in 12 months, all I have to do is pay back this $15,000. If I I, at this point in my life, I'm willing to risk $15,000. If I go $15,000 in debt, so be it, whatever. But I ain't got nothing else at this point. So he said he made $17,000 in three weeks. Let's put $15,000 on the line. And like in two weeks, I think I made my like first like 10 grand. And I was like, oh yeah, this is it. So like that was like the first success that I had. And then right after that, there was this bank. 
that I had interviewed with like years ago and there was this like consultant position. And I was like, ooh, I had made it to one of like the final rounds of the interview at that point in time. So I'm like, yo, yep. I've been keeping in touch with this lady. Even though she ain't got a position for me, I'm going to reach out to her for a referral. and She can give me this consulting position. I did consulting before. Perfect fit. It's like, all right, let me go on, on LinkedIn to make sure she still worked there. So I went on LinkedIn and she just got promoted. Mm. So instead of asking for a referral, I said, yo, congratulations, do what you deserve, blah, blah, blah. And she like, yo, it's crazy. I've been thinking about you. Oh my goodness. We got, I might have a position open for you. It's not guaranteed, but I might have a position open and I think you would be a perfect fit for it. Now, granted, I didn't interview with her like two, three years ago, but I've literally every every holiday, every something, keeping in touch, not asking for nothing. At this time, again, I wasn't asking for nothing. I was going to ask for a referral. But I was like, yo, congratulations. God bless. She said it was cool. So at that point, I'm making a good amount of money in crypto. Me, Deji, and one of my other homies was like, yo, we're thinking about creating the first black hedge fund. This guy's a trader. We both researchers. We're going to like create this massive fund and raise money, be the first black folks in the business. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if I want to work for a bank no more. I've been trying to work for a bank for like two years. At this point, we done made probably at this it probably wasn't that much. At this point, we probably made like, I don't know, forty thousand dollars, something like that, fifty thousand. But I ain't make that all last year. We you did. You know what I mean? We talked about didn't. in a few months. So I'm like, I don't even know if I want to work for for a bank. Wall Street, what is that? I can I can make my own hedge fund. Uh one of one of the homies, he got like cold feet a little bit. It was a lot coming at the same time. So it was like, all right, we're gonna scrap the hedge fund. We just gonna keep investing. I went with the bank, got a job. Around like July 2017. And I don't know, it's kind of been on the up and up since then. So I'll stop there, but that was like my first break. So I worked from 2014 and failed a thousand times to like February 2017. But you understand your break. So that's that's three years of like horse shit and then to february 2017 it was like a, it was like a snowball it was like a, you know what it, it, it was like an avalanche it was like everything happened at one time and it was like everything that i had done up to that point was put in use for so like, let me, f- like so let me go five months. let me go here with it you worked your ass off and you did because I was right there with your brother. Like, ooh, we both in the trenches. But I will have to say this. It all hit for you because it was God's timing. For sure. It was God's timing. For sure. And I think that's where we get lost. It's not our timing. It's never going to be our timing. Just like you said today, if you keep working and it's something's going to have to work for you. But see... That's the same thing that the Bible says. Faith without works is dead. You always have to put the work in. The work 
is an automatic because he's always going to come through for us no matter what. So let me just drop that gem for you. Big facts. Big facts. I'm going to drop this gem one more time. Faith without works is dead. So you always have to keep working by any means necessary. Understand. Mm -hmm. That's how this works. Mm -hmm. So just because you're telling your story does not mean that that is going to be her story, his story. Everybody's story is going to be different. But the fact of the matter is that if you're not working, it ain't going to work. I think the biggest thing, I don't want to say the biggest thing. I think one of the, outside of that, that's very, very true point. One of the biggest things that I learned that when I look back in retrospect that I had that really, really helped me was undying faith. You can't let your faith die. How do you continue to have a dream and say that you want to do so? So I distinctly remember saying, I want to work on Wall Street as an engineer. And people being like, what the, What are you talking about? Like, that doesn't even make sense. So, like, it could be any dream that you want. But, like, having a dream or having this vision of what you want to do is so unrealistic in reality and how do you it continue is. to remain persistent and consistent through it all and i think that was one of the qualities that i exhibited that helped me out the most is like continuing to like almost be delusional through it all and be like yo this is what i want i don't care if it makes sense to nobody else i'm gonna do it that's it so and I think is, that's one of the key pieces. That for sure. For sure. Have. Even if that, nobody else see your vision, that's it. For sure. Once again, I just to piggyback off of that, that undying faith is so for real. And I think that's something that um, we have to remember as young adults or millennials. I just want us to remember that we have to keep going. Yeah, we see all of these people out there. And I'm going to just throw it out there. We see the Kylie Jenners, the Regine Carters, or all of these people who have this instant money. What is it that I'm missing that I don't have this money? And you just have to step back and say, hey, it's just not my timing yet, but my timing is coming. You just got to go hard. You just got to go hard in the paint. No matter what, like every time I talk to you, I tell you getting my master's is the the worst decision I've made, and it's not. Gotta go hard. Because I'm going hard in the paint. Gotta go hard. Now hard. opportunities are just falling in my lap because that's that's, that's just kind of where my my route is. That's the way God aligned my route for myself and my fiance. That's just our route right now. You know, he go hard in the paint. I go hard in the paint. But you, another factor I think is important is that years ago. You told me that um, if you're not learning, if you're not learning from the people that's in your group, then that ain't your group. You remember that? Well, that, I mean, that's a big fact, though. That's that's like that's like one on one. But people not, don't know not that. Even an advanced thing. That's just. But no, in this day your, and age, it is your group of friends or circle even if it's not your friends your circle is a big part of how successful you are if you can't have challenging intellectual 
conversations with the people that you're around like it don't what are you what are you actually doing i think there are people that should be in your life for entertainment and fun and other stuff like that but like certain point if when we talk about accounting you were doing accounting homework earlier assets and liabilities are you asset or liability point blank period if you're not asset to my life we don't need to do it point blank period that's true there's no need for you here. And I think that's a lesson that um, our generation has to remember because not everybody is rooting for what you're rooting for. I think that this was very important. And I think you had to tell your story. Yeah, so that's kind of like where I've gotten up to the, to this point. I think the only other thing of everything Brantley that, I mean, I've, I've kind of spoke about it up to this point, but you got the business part, you got the nonprofit part, and you got the personal part. So I still have a long, long way to go. I still am very unsure about a lot of stuff to date, career-wise, I'm unsure, personal-wise. Like, there's a lot of things that I want to do. Like, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out as I go, honestly. Uh, but I want to do a lot of things for my hometown, Racine, Wisconsin, with the nonprofit, doing, like, scholarships and creating a pipeline from students and high school students to universities to corporations that's a that's a big thing i want to do a bunch of commercial units and properties and blockchain projects like i want to invest in a lot of things outside of people and i want to do stuff like this like i want to do podcasts and do untold stories and do blog posts and give back pay it for it that's a big thing i think ultimately i just want to pay it for it just pay it for it brother i want to create a new legacy and pay it for it pay it for it well this was fun. Now I got to head back to Oak Cliff, Texas. I appreciate you. Hey, anything you. for you. I thank you much. Anything. Uh, so this is the second episode of Untold Stories. We thank you for coming out. We thank you for listening. It's been a long one, but we appreciate you. God bless. Holla. <laughs>